Ephesians chapter 6, verses 15 and maybe 16 today. (laughs) We'll see how our, our time actually holds up. The Believer's Armor. I'm going to pick it up again um, in verse 13 for to set up the context a little bit. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. We'll stop there for now. Now, <clears throat> yesterday we I mentioned that uh, because things were brought up that all the evilness and the stuff that's going on out there about the LGBTQ, ABCDEFG, pick your favorite letter, then they throw plus on the end of that for whatever else might show up. And um, so I, I said I was going to deal with it this week. I thought, you know, it's probably better. Let me finish this because a lot of this is, is good background for what is going to be said about those things. And um, that and then I would like to do a bit more research in some of those areas. And so <clears throat> stay tuned. But I... I I don't want you to think I broke a promise. <laughs> I'm going to do it. It's just not today. <laughs> be a few weeks down the road. I figured another three, four. Depending if you're on time. No. <laughs> no. No, depending if, if I start on time, then then we'll make it go. And if I get into the lesson and knock off the uh, blabber. Okay. Verse 15. And having shod your feet with a preparation of the gospel of peace. The first section here is, I didn't want to say sandals, but I want to say because of our, the day and age we live in, but the warrior's footwear, okay? Um, <clears throat> obviously, in modern-day warfare, sandals wouldn't get, it, wouldn't get it done. Now, shod your feet means, shod literally means to bind under or simply put them on. Put them on and cinch them up. Get them, get them properly connected. Now, the soldiers' sandals were securely fastened around their feet and ankles, and they were also studded with nails that poked out for stability, traction, uh, you know, so you wouldn't slide around in the heat of, because they did a lot of hand-to-hand combat. So they were good to, to get that firm, again, that firm footing. Now, with the preparation of the gospel of peace, now, <clears throat> And this is not a major issue, but I thought I'd bring it up, because many equate the gospel of peace with Isaiah 52.7, which is also quoted in Romans 10.15, and I'd like to turn there. 10.15, again, the, the context here is about the gospel itself, the plan of salvation. And verse 15 says, how, how shall they preach unless they are sent? And just as it is written, and this is right out of Isaiah 52.7, uh, just as written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good news. And the term glad tidings is the same word that's translated gospel in so many places. Okay, is this word, like, gee, gospel would be appropriate there. Now, 
And so they're saying, well, man, just, they're referring to the actual, the, like when you're under attack by Satan, just start preaching the gospel. Well, actually, that's not the context of this one. This one is, uh, in the context of Ephesians, isn't, we're not speaking here, Paul isn't addressing the subject of preaching or teaching at this point. He's addressing warfare, doing battle. Okay, in doing battle, um, you just need to, to uh, have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, I put a little subnote on this. Is when we do go forth, and I hope that's uh, often, when we do go forth to proclaim the gospel, there's where you need to be prepared for the attack. Okay? Um, as a matter of fact, Preaching the gospel will more likely will more likely bring on an attack than it's going to relieve an attack. <laughs> okay, and there's a variety of ways attacks can come. It can come through personal temptation to us that pulls us off our mark, or become uh, Satan's people through intimidation and persecution and a number of things. And we've seen these throughout history. Now. So when we go forth, we need to be prepared for that attack, or even if we're not doing in our daily walk, just be prepared. This uh, Satan never sleeps, okay? He never sleeps. His people, while they may sleep, there's so many of them, they're always out there. They're always out there. Um, now, example of the attack, let's look at Jesus himself. Uh, look at the uh, Gospel of John, uh, five fifteen through 18. The man went away. This uh, man went away and told the Jews who made him well. And for this reason, the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. And he answered them, "My father is working until now, and I myself am working. For this cause, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because he was not only breaking the Sabbath, but also was calling God his own Father, making himself equal." with God. Now, there's a lot that's in that little passage. First of all, I want to point one thing out. Uh, According to the Jews, now the Jews in John most often refers to the Jewish leadership, scribes, Pharisees, priests, and so forth. And they were saying, as they viewed the Sabbath and their man-made, made-up rules, he was breaking the Sabbath. He was not breaking the Sabbath. As a matter of fact, soon, uh, when Will goes through uh, Mark, uh, <clears throat> you're going to see there's a, a, a confrontation where Jesus claims, and rightfully so, that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. Okay? He knows what the Sabbath is all about. <laughs> okay? he, doesn't, he doesn't need to be taught by people that uh, pervert the Sabbath. Um, and then move along to John eight thirty one. We're in John. We'll just pick up a few while we're here. John eight thirty one. And again, the antagonist. Remember, he was dogged by these people right from the get go, right from the beginning. Eight thirty one to forty one forty four. I don't know. If we're, but anyway, then therefore they were saying to the Jew, the, those Jews who had believed him, if you if you abide, in, Jesus said, if you abide in my word, then you truly are disciples of mine. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered and said, We are Abraham's offspring, and we have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it you say, You shall become free? Now, I'd say that they say that as the Roman soldiers come marching by, you know. I mean, 
I could make so many applications to people today about they're so blinded to what's right in front of them <laughs> on so many issues. It's, it's just right there, you know. And, um, and I'm just going to jump right to 44, verse 44. Let's back it up to 42. Really set the context. If you were, and they claimed again to be Abraham's, the, the, the offspring of Abraham, which physically they were, but spiritually they were not. If you were your father, you would, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and have come from God. For I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I'm saying? It is be- and he answers his own question. It is because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. You mean sweet, sweet, loving Jesus would say something like that? Uh, yeah, yeah. You notice, you notice who he was always very stern with? False teachers. You read through the New Testament. The New Testament is also very stern concerning false teachers, false doctrine, because they pervert the truth, okay? It says, uh, you are your are the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in, and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And then verse 59 of John 8 says, Therefore they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went and went out of the temple. And then again, I won't turn there, but in uh, uh, <clears throat> John eleven forty-five to 53, you have that account where Jesus rose, you know, Lazarus from the death, from the dead. And their reaction was, you read through that whole account of that, that whole uh, account of that, uh, that happening there. And, uh, well, the, the attitude of there, we, we really got to step up in killing this man, Jesus. And on top of that, they said, we need to kill Lazarus too, because many are believing because of him. I mean, the hatred that comes from those that hate Christ. And deep down inside, those that, uh, we often use, use the term don't accept, but I prefer the term those that reject the gospel whether they realize it or not, are in this camp. They're right in this camp. You know, there's really, there's only two camps you can be in. There's no, no middle ground. No middle ground. And then we've got also the example of Paul. And I'm giving you some kind of extreme examples. They were live in a different time, in a different uh, country, obviously. Although, 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 and 14 to start with. It says, for such men, and again, a little bit of background, Paul in writing 2 Corinthians, the problems at Corinth weren't a whole lot better. As a matter of fact, by the time 2 Corinthians is written, you now have people that were claiming to be apostles in there. But And Paul is writing, explaining, well, these are false apostles. And so in that whole conversation, verse 13 and 14 is, for such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, distinguish themselves as apostles of Christ, and no wonder, for even Satan disguised himself as an angel of light. Big application, our day and age, there's a whole lot of false teachers, false pastors, 
heading up false churches. And they, too, have the ability to come on and sweet and nice and and present themselves as perhaps an angel of light. It's just, this is nothing new. It's easy, and, they, and they deceive many, deceive many. Uh, 23, and same 23, verse 23 says, and, and, he, and it says here, and then Paul now is going to give his credentials, okay? He goes, are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. <laughs> I mean, he says, yeah, I'm, I'm talking a little nutty here, just kind of get down with them a little bit. I more so. In far more labors, in far more imprisonments. See, that's what happens to, to true preachers of the gospel. You're going to get persecuted in one way or another. I mean, they don't imprison people here in this country yet. They'd love to, I'm sure, but not yet. Uh, far more imprisonments, beaten times without number. Beaten times without number. Um, 39 was usually the stopping point. He was beaten at times without number. Um, often, in, often in danger of death, which is the truth if you understand scourging. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes, which is supposed to be the maximum. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night, a day, in, in, I spent in the deep. I have been on, I've been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my, from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in cities, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure upon me of concern for all the churches. That's... So you want to be an apostle? There it is. There's, a, there's what an apostle will go through. There's what, and there's, there's those that claim to be apostles today, right there. If a person addresses himself, titles himself as apostle, keep moving. Of course, you live here, so you don't need to go moving anyway. But I mean, if you move to another town, you know. <laughs> Instant rule off. Forget it. I mean, quite frankly, I'm not going to mention them here at this point in time, but... I mean, you move to a town, one thing, there's, I mean, there's entire denominations, I can just say. I don't even need to waste my time. Don't even need to waste my time. They have so far abandoned the gospel, it's pathetic. I don't go to church to argue and fight, <laughs> you know. Anyway, and then the gospel of peace. What actually is the gospel of peace? Well, again, Romans has a great statement on that fact. The gospel of peace, quite frankly, is the good news that believers have peace with God. In fighting the battle against satanic forces, man, that's nice to know, no matter how hard that battle is going, I am not an enemy of God. I am at peace with God. I'm at war with the satanic forces of our day, but I'm on the side of God. Therefore, no matter how the battle is going, you know, I, I took the liberty of peeking to the end of Revelation our side wins. We win. We win. We got this thing's in the bag. <laughs> we got it because he won it. We're there. We're, we're going to make it. Um, matter of fact, Romans 5, it's such a good passage. I, <clears throat> I mean, if I looked it up, you know. Starting 5, 6, it says, While we were still helpless at the right time, 
I like that. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one would hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone uh, would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For while we were yet, now this is here, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult, we, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have, and we now received the reconciliation. I mean, that's, that's where we are. And another thing, this gospel of peace in Ephesians, back to Ephesians 6, <clears throat> from 6.14 through 15, one thing I was noticing, I want to point it out here, you notice the correlation between righteousness and peace and between truth and the gospel. There is, there, there is, they're related. As a matter of fact, we're going to see um, the, also the, the gospel of peace is going to be directly correlated to the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and also to that belt of truth. I mean, the word of God has so much to play in this whole armor. The belt of truth, which ties together the, the righteousness, you hang your sword on that and, and other things on that belt. And now the gospel of peace, where do we learn the gospel of peace? It's right here. I mean, everything. How do we live a righteous life? It's right in here. I, I mean, it's, 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 all, it's all there. And the gospel of peace, quite frankly, is our firm footing. I mean, you look at the, here, it goes, um, we take up the armor, and then verse 15, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel, and then you have the, the helmet, of, you have the, the helmet of salvation, verse 17, and the sword of the spirit, well, excuse me, in 16, uh, the shield of, take up the shield of faith, and you, you keep moving down. Uh, we're, we're just assured of that victory and righteousness and truth. We've got the gospel, we the peace, we got the truth, we got the faith, helmet of salvation. Again, salvation and truth, peace. <clears throat> and it's just, it's amazing. It just all ties together. Again, in Romans 5, 1 and 2, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we've attained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and exalt or give glory in hope of the glory of God. In Colossians 1, 13 to 20, another one along this line says, For he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son. Notice again the action. Who's doing it? In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, and he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, that's speaking of Christ, thrones and dominions, or rulers and authorities. All things have been created by him and for him. He is, the, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You want to know why 
gravity and stuff like that works, by him all things hold together. So I got to be got to be honest with you. So I'm not sweating global warming, quite frankly. No matter how hot it gets, I'm not worried about it. Mankind, again, it's the answer in scripture. Mankind's not going to destroy this earth, no matter how dumb he gets. You know, they can't get you much dumber than he is right now. Remember, that's one thing I'm going to talk about in a couple of weeks. It's it's. I mean, there's some pathetically stupid things out there being passed off as truth. It, it defies rationale. It really does. And speaking of Christ, he is the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from of the, of the dead, so that he himself might come to have first place in everything. Firstborn as in first in rank and authority. Okay. For it was the Father's good pleasure and for the fullness that dwells in him. And through him, that's again Christ, reconciled all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And again, that takes us right back to Ephesians. And we've seen that um, already in Ephesians 2, 13 to 20. We won't go there today because we, we won't make it anywhere. But all those who stand on the gospel of peace, we are assured of victory. We won't go there today because it could easily spend the rest of the day there. But Romans eight thirty one to 39, that tremendous passage on security. But that actually has, it has something to do with here because we know that. But it has a whole lot to do with the helmet of salvation when we get there. So I will deal with that then, and we can link them all, link them all together. Now, the shield of faith, verse, uh, verse 16. Taking up the shield of faith, which will be able to, ex- uh, to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil, evil one. Now, the shield, and I'm just going to pop through this very quickly, these definitions. That there's the two most common types of shield. There was a variety of them, but the two most common types was a small round shield that's approximately two to two and a half feet in diameter. They used to, actually, they used to strap it, you know, you could hold it in your hand and there's another strap on the forearm, and then you'd use that in connection with your sword, okay? And it was used to, you know, like some, the other guy comes at you with his sword, you can block it, you can even smack him in the ear with it if you want. I mean, they used it as offensively too, but it was used in that, and then they had your, you know, and so that was part of the hand-to-hand combat with the swords, that's not the one being talked here. The other one was a thuros, which is referred to here. Now, this shield was approximately about four feet tall and about two and a half feet wide. And sometimes it, it curved around a little bit. And they, people, those are usually the guys right out front. You know, their sword was hanging on their side. And so a lot of times they'd use these catapults and stuff or archers, either one. They, a variety of ways things could come flying at you. You could have small things like darts, and they did. They dipped them in pitch, kind of like a tar thing, lit them off, and they'd come flying in there. Like, can you imagine that? And so they, you'd get these things, and then the guys would kind of, and they'd all, they'd duck down behind them, and they'd hit the, and hopefully not go through. They'd hit these shields, which were most like were made of wood. Sometimes the wood was coated with, like, thick leather, sometimes metal. It just, there's a, yeah, that's why the, Guys carry it, and then the other there's other soldiers would line up behind them, and they'd kind of they they duck in there, and uh, some of them still got hit. And then you could these guys would line up shoulder to shoulder, and they'd kind of make a wall with these things. 
I mean, there's some report, some old uh, historical testimony says some of these things could be stretch out for a mile. We don't need to turn there, but there's some excellent verses that uh, in the Old Testament where God equates himself as the shield of his people. Tremendous. Look those up under Genesis 15. He was a shield to Abram. I will be your shield, uh, a shield to the nation Israel uh, and all believers. Okay, faith, shield of faith. Now, this faith isn't the faith that you had when you made a profession of faith in salvation. This faith comes from that faith. This is that active living faith by which we are to walk. Walk we walk by faith, not by sight. That's a again, that is uh, a product of a true saving faith. They're not talking it's not talking about true saving faith. This particular aspect of faith, this is that faith with which through which we walk. Romans one seventeen. Back to Romans again. When you talk about anything to do with salvation, odds are Romans is going to talk about it. Because <laughs> that I mean from Romans the first uh 11 chapters in Romans is, is, is discussing the doctrine of salvation. It's, it's, it's a masterpiece on that. Now, Romans 1.17, it says, For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Shall live by faith. Walk by faith. And that's a direct quote from Habakkuk 2.4, which was the same truth of the Old Testament saints, too. And if we got into the doctrine of salvation, and somebody, I remember talking to this one lady one time, and um, <clears throat> she goes, well, wasn't it the fact that uh, in, the, uh, in the Old Testament they were, we were, they were saved by the law, and here we're saved by uh, grace? I go, no, they were saved by grace as well. True saving faith will, again, result in believers walking in faith. I mean, look at Hebrews 11. Now, we could read this. You could read this whole thing. I'm just going to read the first couple of verses here, the first six. This is the best definition of faith you're ever going to get. (laughs) Okay. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Remember, the conviction of things not seen, not the... Well, I think so of things not seen. (laughs) This is the conviction of things not seen. For by it, men of old gained approval. See that? By faith, we understand that the words were prepared by the word of God. The worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Hmm. See, God was the creator, not the... We make things. God creates. Okay. But by faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. So there you see, Cain the believer, or Cain the unbeliever, Abel the believer, Cain off, or Abel offered the right sacrifice, Cain the wrong one. Okay? And so, again, that's the end. There's a little thing of Abel walking by faith. He did the right sacrifice. His was acceptable. Enoch, and then... Uh, Verse 6, it, it says, uh, And without faith is it impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must, belie- must, must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And again, you can see that faith 
that 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 faith that sprung up that we believe and then what's the result of that we start living the life of a believer and then you and you go on through there you know it says by faith noah did what he did by faith Abraham did this by faith Sarah by faith this one that one the prophets you see and it just goes on and on and on by faith these people did what they did and you can read the whole history of them in the Old Testament and um, <clears throat> in Ephesians we saw right off the right off the bat in the very first in the very first lesson Ephesians 1 3 blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ and the point is there, we are given everything, we are given all the resources we need to accomplish what it takes to walk by faith. It's all right here. It's all right in this book. The Holy Spirit is right in here. We, we don't need to go f- seek extra blessings or extra anything. We've got it all. We've got it all. Therefore, just like it says in, in Ephesians 6.11, we are able to stand against the onslaught of the evil one. The evil one obviously is Satan. And um, I'm not, we don't need to go to 2 Thessalonians. But Psalm 28.7-9 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart exalts. And with, and with my song, I shall thank him. The Lord is their strength. And he, matter of fact, it goes from praising the Lord to talking about how the Lord strengthens his, his people and everything. The Lord is their strength, referring to the people of God, and he is, he is a saving defense to his anointed. Save your people and, and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd also and carry them forever. And here's a prayer that the Lord would continue to do that, which, of course, he will. Okay? And then we know Psalm 23, probably the most famous psalm of them all, and which talks about the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, I mean, I won't, I won't want for anything. I've already got it. And then John 10, and I thought there was a good one out, Jesus, the good shepherd, and he said of his sheep, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me and I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. And there's that you can take to the bank. <laughs> and let's, let's close the word of prayer. Father God, we again, we come to you in thanksgiving for all that you've done to us. And Lord, our prayer for us is that we live up to the calling that you have called us to. In Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.